What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Philly Blitz podcast. We are excited to be back after a long time, but really exciting season. Uh, lots of content to get to you guys, but uh, before we get to that, how are you guys doing? Oh, man, how do you – where to start? Where to start? Where to start? The weather in Philadelphia is absolutely marvelous. It kind of had a shadow of showers when they made us pit stop down to Washington. But, I mean, it's okay. The weather has been absolutely beautiful in Philadelphia all season long. Yeah, man, I'm doing good, man. I think the last time we recorded, I think it was after the – was it after week one? Maybe, man. It's been a I minute. I think so, yeah. It's been a minute. It's been so, a pretty good time. Yeah, man. Like you, got, like you guys said, man, the weather in Philadelphia is doing wonderful, man. Sunny days, sunny days. They 10-1, you know, leading the NFC. You know, things are looking like picking a draft. Yeah. What more can you ask for? So, I mean – Pretty, pretty amazing season overall, but you know we've we've come back from this hiatus with uh, with, with some new ideas on uh, on how we want to run these podcasts. So we're gonna kind of break it into segments, and honestly, uh, we'll tell you the name of the first segment and things like that. But we have an unnamed segment at this time, and we're open to suggestions. So if anyone can think of a good suggestion based on, you know, the other names that you hear, uh, we're open to suggestions, tweet us, tweet at us. And, uh, and we definitely love to, to hear what you guys think. But I think for the, for the first uh, segment, we're going to call it uh, going three and out. You know, we're going to kind of take the, the major takeaways from, uh, from the last game. So you guys want to start with that? Yeah, I can go first. Um, I just think, you know, Looking at the the entire offense and just how dominant they were on the ground, um, you know that's that's one of the major things I take away. You know they had the most rushing yards in a single game since 1948. I think it was what 300. What did they have? 350 on the dot. 364. 364. Yeah, and I think the record was like 376 or 378. So to be able to literally just impose your will on a team like that, like you don't see that every Sunday. I mean, just going continuing to like what you just said, Pierre, that was my big takeaway from the game. And I mean, I went into the game. I mean, I understand that the Packers defense was struggling for the most part. And I mean, we had that quick early start and then the Packers kind of crawled their way back in. It kind of looked very reminiscent of the Washington game where the Eagles got off very early. The other team came back and they tried to use the running game as an advantage. I mean, of course, as we know, as I'll touch on a bit later how frustrating it was to watch A.J. Dillon carry the ball through that defense. But when it came down to it, this was the football game that I personally have been waiting to see all season long. I, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I get when the Eagles first hired Nick Sirianni and named Jalen Hurst the starter. We wanted to throw the ball across the yard and all this type of stuff. And it didn't work out. So we had to change up to – the run game and that run game was utterly dominant up until the loss to Tampa Bay. And this year, to say we have a fine blend of both is kind of sort of okay. I mean, they still run the ball when they when they have to, but for lack of a better term, it's been a passing show for this year. AJ AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, just a lot of the guys getting involved through the air. Jalen Hurts being able to show what he, his worth as a passer. But it's just good to see the Eagles be able to get back to their roots when they have to. 
and be able to utterly dominate a team like the same football team that we watched. I mean, sometimes just I don't know about you guys, and maybe you guys could let me know if I'm wrong or. But I mean, while the Eagles still rank pretty highly in the league in terms of a rushing offense, when I watch this offense, I really don't watch a a, a really run first football team. I feel like they want to throw the ball, and I mean, yeah, they they run a bunch of RPOs and stuff, and maybe it's just based on the way the defenses are playing them. Well, maybe we just throw the ball this game. But even when you watch certain games, like game against Pittsburgh, it was clear they had a plan. They wanted to attack deep down the field where it just seems like a bit of a – it's a much closer to the offense we've seen just through the first six weeks or so of the season last year than it is the, the team that went down to the playoff stretch. Yeah, man, uh, I, I agree with everything you guys said. Um, and, and on top of that, I think what stood out to me is that this game felt like a signature win, you know, for, for this team. Um, we – like you said, Pierre, we were, we were really able to just impose our will and to do something like that for the whole 60 minutes. It's, it's really tough, you know, and, and you can listen to the new Heights pod and Jason Kelsey will tell you just how tough it is. And especially against, you know, a player like Kenny Clark, Jason Kelsey held his own the entire O line won every matchup. I actually, you know, I just listened to the pod this morning and I really liked how he just said, like, when you have a game like that, that means that the entire offense was on. That means the receivers were blocking. The tight ends were blocking. The running backs were blocking for the quarterback. The, the O-line was blocking out of their minds. When you have a game where you are able to run the ball like that, especially run the ball, because when you pass the ball, guys can take over the game pretty easily, and it can just kind of be like, oh, you know, the O-line doesn't even have to play that well. Just give them like a second and, and let them throw it deep to whoever. you know. But when you have a game where you rush for over 350 yards – that means that you guys were on the entire game and you won your battle almost every single play. And that's, and that's massive for a team that's, that has so much youth like we have um, to go and, and to beat a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, maybe you know, he's injured, you know, he's got all these other things, but you know what? It's still Aaron Rodgers and he still played, you know, relatively well when he was playing. And like you said, Quell, beginning of the game, we all got a little bit nervous. You know, they started they started clawing their way back in, and all of a sudden we're at a deficit because Jake Elliott missed a kick, right? I mean, this is supposed to be like we're seeing the first couple plays, and it's like, oh, this is about to be a route. Like, let's get it. The black helmets, black jerseys, like it's about to be a it's about to be a whole show, you know, except it's just gonna be a blowout. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're coming back and you know, we're kind of holding our breaths a little bit. But then the Eagles just came out and they imposed their will and in the game that this if I can take you back to 2017, if y'all will let me, this reminds me of is, is kind of like the Rams game. You know, it was, it was the Rams game, you know, the Rams were, you know, a bit better, more respected of a team, but it was just a dog fight throughout the game. You know, the each time, you know, the Rams were able to go down and score and we had to go back and score. This is the first time that the Eagles have scored 40 points all year. I know there's been a whole crowd talking about, Oh, the Eagles can't do it. Well, they just did it right. You know? So, that shows that we are able to run this offense and, 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 and find success with it, no matter who we play, you know, and, and I think we'll continue to show that. But um, another reason why it just felt like such a signature win is because we were able to run the ball, but when Jalen needed to pass the ball, he was able to, and he, and he, he put that on the money that throw to Quez. Yeah. I mean, like you can't, you can't, you can't draw it a better back shoulder fade, perfectly thrown, just unreal. And then the, and the throw to, 
uh, AJ, the, the speed out. I mean, he threw it before AJ was even out of, was even out of his break. So anticipation. You know, he's, that he's made these steps as a passer and that he's, he's made this growth. And, uh, and that's just so crucial for this team and is such a, such a stark difference from last year. You know, last year we ran the ball because we couldn't pass the ball as well. Now we run the ball because we can run the ball as well as we can pass the ball, but no one can stop us running the ball. So why would we stop? <laughs> Yeah, I think you touched on it there. I think there's something to be said about the overall uniqueness of the offense. You know, they can win in multiple ways. You know, you touched on it, Quo. You know, the game against Pittsburgh, they came out throwing the ball. They were successful doing that. Um, This past game, you know, they literally, again, they imposed their will on the ground. So it's like when you're able to, you know, be able to win in multiple ways, that's a sign of a, of a very, very, very successful offense in this NFL. It's not even just a sign of a very successful offense. And that's my favorite thing about, like, I mean, you guys know me. We go through this all the time. My whole, my whole rant about spread offenses and things of that nature. This this right here watching this Eagles offense, it's kind of reminds me of my prime days. And, I mean, I know Eagles fans. I know y'all might hear me say this and be like, please, I might throw up in my <laughs> mouth. Don't mention those two names oh, no. together. But it's not necessarily Philadelphia, Chip Kelly. It's when you watch Chip Kelly back at Oregon and exactly what he was able to do to a deep distress that the play calling was able to put on the defense. It's very reminiscent of now. Like like you guys said, we kind of impose our will in any way, shape or form. And we might go into a game with a specific specific game plan, but it's so simple for them to change it up and literally dare a team to say, okay. We can't do this. Well, we gonna do that now. What? It's like a big chess game playing this offense, and it all starts and begins with the RPOs. I mean, of course, like I said, the willingness to have a a, a decent drop back offense now is awesome, and having an offensive line to be able to do what we do. I mean, I don't know if you guys heard Chris Collinsworth on the broadcast, but he said the Eagles were literally on pace to have 800 yards rushing at one point. So that goes to show you how dominant the, the team is. One positive thing he said about the Eagles. God, oh, I hate Chris, dude, <laughs> and I hate that he's a Gator. My God, we I love you, Chris. You're one of the pod. Shout out PFF. Oh, good <laughs> Lord, man! Please, 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 not Chris. We can shout out the other PFF people, but not Chris, man. God, <laughs> watch that offense perform, and just like you said, Pierre, the multiplicity they have. They different ways they're able to attack you to different levels. They're able to attack you. just basically watching, like I said, watching this offense this year compared to last year's night and day. There were a multitude of things. The Eagles couldn't attack the middle of the field. The mm-hmm. Eagles didn't have a great vertical offense. There were multiple things that people said that this year kind of just put all of these narratives to rest. So when you put into account that the fact this team could still run the ball with the best of them, it's kind of like Okay, so exactly how do you beat this football team? Exactly, and I think the the main thing that that sticks out to me is just that this offense is sustainable. You know, it's not it's not gimmicky. It's not winning on on one thing like you both just just expanded on. This offense wins in in numerous different ways, and you never know what's gonna what's gonna come for you. And so that it really gives me the sense that this is sustainable for, for months on end, you know, cause you need to be able to run the ball in January and in February, and you need to be able to pass the ball too. And to this point, this offense has given us no reason to believe that they can't do either of them proficiently. So I must yeah. ask, just make me ask my bad Pierre. One second. <laughs> 
last year we watched the Bills games and it was particularly in the playoffs. And you notice how they began to run Josh Adlin a little bit more as the season progressed, and at least up into the playoffs where they really opened up the playbook. They wanted GT counters and a bunch of different things, quarterback power, just get the ball in his hands in a pivotal situation. So I got a stat for you where it makes you wonder if something similar is happening in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts hadn't had over 10 carries in a game all season. Over the last two games, Jalen Hurts has run the ball 16 times and 17 times. Do you think that they're become? They, I don't want to say necessarily they were trying to protect Jalen throughout the course of the season or leading up to the playoffs where they become more of a, as some of these analysts like to say, the RPR, the triple threat offense. I uh, I I think that that possibility has always been there. I think uh, like Sirianni has talked about it. You know that Jalen, if he's if he sees you know open field on on certain plays, he has the ability to just just pull it and take it. And uh, I don't know. You know, it, it, it's definitely a good question, but a lot of it a, a lot of it has just also been Jalen scrambling, right? And, uh, and and some of that has to do with how defenses might be playing them now, you know, the, they might be adjusting to how Jalen was passing the ball. So now he's able to run the ball and maybe we'll see uh, a, another, you know, change in the next coming weeks where they're like, okay, well, we can't just run straight man on Jalen all the time. And then they're going to play more zones so they can keep an eye on Jalen. But then, you know, we might see Jalen throwing the ball more. And, and then we see, you know, a lot of those prolific passing games again. So I think a lot of it is just um, the, the waves of a season as well. But I think, um, your point about the playoffs is 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 definitely interesting because I feel like there's so much you know you can you can expand on with with Jalen in the run game even from this point that like you know it, it'll it'll be really interesting to see how they handle um, how they handle the playoffs this year especially yeah and so coming out of this game you know all the the positives that you know we've just discussed you know them running for over 350 yards the multiplicity of the offense there is one glaring negative. Um, the Eagles lost starting safety Chauncey Gardner-Johnson who suffered a lacerated kidney. Um, now, Reed Blankenship, he was able to come in. You know, he everybody saw, you know, he snagged that uh, awesome, amazing interception. I have I legitimately haven't seen a guy drive on a ball like that in quite some time. But, you know. Um, three seven baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, Reed, he was able to come in. He made some plays. But uh, losing Gardner-Johnson, that's just, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be huge. You know, he leads the league in interceptions. You know, he's a very key cog in what Jonathan Gannon wants to do on that back end. So um, losing him, what what impact do you guys foresee that happening? Well, kind of leads me back to the beginning of the season where kind of you saw you – saw, all the things that you guys said about CJGJ upon his acquisition, part of his quote about how the similarities that the safety position played to the nickel corner position that CJ, CJ played during his time with the Saints. You, Pierre, how would you say about how the player that played the exact role, the amount of snaps the player that played the exact role that CJ plays this year currently actually led the team in snaps? What he played 99% of the snaps that year? I think so, yeah. So, um, I mean, clearly his importance is there. It's, it can't be understated. I mean, the man leads the NFL in interceptions. He, he's been balling this year. Go Gators. I got the jersey. At the same time. 
I like to think that us as a friend Reed Blankenship is friend of the pod. We were really big on Reed Blankenship. It's, always- it's like I always go back to what Mark said when he was on. When he was like, you remember when uh, Blankenship was getting second and third round hype? Like, the guys are no slouch, man. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So dude, I saw I saw I saw a mock with him in the first before the season. Yeah. And I was like, who is this Reed Blankenship dude? That's when I like learned his name for the first time. And you know, obviously he's not gonna go in the first, but like, yeah, dude, people people were talking about this kid like he's like like he's a good player. Sorry, yeah, this year. Shout out uh, JL Skinner, <laughs> Boise State. Well, we're gonna get into that some sometime in the near future. But I mean, just watching Reed. Reed, I mean, of course, like I said a second ago, you can tell that CJGJ will be missed. I mean, it's hard to replace what he was bringing to the defense, his importance to the defense, but I don't think there would be some massive drop-off. Like, if a team thinks they can just attack Reed Blankenship, I mean, unless they dedicate a whole week of schematics to it, trying to put him out of position. We've seen one a quarterback as smart as Aaron Rodgers, and you know how most quarterbacks do. They see a guy, an injury happen the first throw that they do. Attacking the guy that would have been in the game. He went right after Reed and Reed make as you said, Pierre made an awesome play. Awesome play. So I mean Well, actually, and, to be to be fair, sorry, but his first play he messed up, right? The the first play there was that touchdown. It was the mm-hmm. second play where he came in. Um and, and he made the play. But I, I just mentioned that because I think that's huge, right? Like for so many young players, you get that touchdown scored and you're like, shit, should have been me. Confidence is shattered, but that kid, he was like, whatever, wipe it off, next play. And he went out there and made a huge play. So, sorry, I just wanted to mention that. I really admired that about that. And not just any huge play. I think that was the first uh, interception of Aaron Rodgers as an undrafted free agent. So, Reed Blankenship making a little bit of history out there. And, but, sorry, yeah, go on. Let me, go let, well, you finish and then I'll go ahead. Um, Just him, I think we touched on this a little bit before we went on the air. Gannon has stared himself a multitude of times. His willingness, his want to. He's a defensive back's defensive back, a defensive back coach at heart. He coaches his defense from back to front. We all complain about how playing the offense would look. I mean, the defense looks in the front seven area from time to time. Well, we had the chance to watch how the defense looks from back to front and all of the cool things he does with the defense there. I think we would kind of feel more confident exactly. I don't think that Gannon will put Blankenship in a position that he didn't think he was good enough to be in, basically. I think they've seen enough of this kid from training camp up to this point to say, again, he may not be Chauncey, but we trust him to be able to execute within the parameters of the defense and make the plays when they come his way. Yeah, I mean, they uh... – they obviously have a lot of trust in him because he's made his way up the depth chart. And that's not easy to do midseason. You know, that's something a lot of guys have to depend on training camp for. He made his way up the depth chart midseason. And I think it was just the Colts game where um, he was finally able to surpass Kayvon, you know, mm-hmm. on, on the depth chart. So um, to your point, Quell, about, you know, Gannon not, you know, he's not going to put him in a position where he's not going to succeed. Um, I think a lot of us um, worry that, you know, when Gannon loses players, he kind of shrinks into his shell, right? Um, and, and, and that's something uh, uh, that, that kind of just makes us uh, a, l- a little bit nervous, especially, you know, now that we've lost Avante in the secondary. Hopefully we can get him back soon. And now uh, Chauncey as well. Um, but the thing is, is throughout the game, uh, it didn't seem like 
Gannon was was calling plays scared. You know, the when it came to how they were running the ball is one thing, but you know they weren't able to to pass the ball very well, and he was still doing a lot of aggressive stuff. And I think um, a point to mention is that in this defense, the the safeties are so interchangeable, right? You know, we don't really have a traditional free safety or a strong safety, um, so the ability for Epps and Reed to be uh, you know interchangeable right now will help a lot, you know, in terms of matchups and just being able to disguise stuff and being able to help out a, a rookie out there, you know? So um, especially with the vets you have out um, on the outsides, I think, uh, I think, I think we'll be fine until Chauncey can be back. And, you know, excuse me. Um, Chauncey is not, has not been put on IR to this point. Right. So the hope is, is that he can be back in, in less than four weeks. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on for sure. So you said something interesting while you were speaking, basically saying when Gannon loses players, he tends to make the defense a bit vanilla, which brings us to the conundrum that is Jonathan Gannon. (laughs) You got, I mean, I think it's no secret how all of us feel. You guys, there are times where you, you would trade Jonathan Gannon for a washing machine and a loaf of bread. I mean, if you if you're listening to the show nine times out of ten, you follow us on Twitter. You you know how each of us independently feels about Gannon. Exactly. <laughs> so there's no need to get into all the the gist and the nits and grits of all of that. What is your guys? If you had to give him a grade up until this point, not only that, not only if you had to give him a grade, but I mean, statistically, the defense looks good. Odds are yeah, on. I have. I, I have the. Job. Yeah, I have the numbers right here. Like, and I think I feel like the word conundrum is a is it perfectly defines Jonathan Gannon. Like statistically, they're one of the best. They're ninth in total defense, second against the pass, sixteenth against the run. I mean, everybody knows the issues that they have in the run game. But the first in takeaways, first in yards allowed per play. Um, I think only twenty nine point three percent of their drives results in uh, offensive scores, which ranks third. They're fourth in EPA per play and second in EPA per dropback, but 29th um, in rush EPA. So on paper, the numbers the numbers say that this is a top five, top seven defense. It's just when you when you really sit down and begin to watch it, it's kind of an issue. So if I had to give him a grade, I think I'd probably say I'd hover between a C plus and a B minus. All right. Yeah. Um. You know, I was I was I was thinking. C plus as well. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit before the show and, 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 you know, Quell is right in that, you know, he, we, we, we are getting uh, the, the results out of there. And you said that as well. Um, and, and there's a lot to like, uh, I really like how he, you know, disguises stuff in, in the defensive backfield, but all of us have, you know, talked about how we wish, you know, we saw more of run blitzes. You know, we saw more of stunts and, and and switches up front. And that's something that, you know, he doesn't does delve into. And, you know, he's a defensive back, defensive back. And that's fine. But, you know, we also have a ton of talent up front that, you know, we can find different ways to utilize. And that's that's where I have a holdup because, like you said, Pierre, we're a highly ranked defense. We're winning games. You know, so it's, it's hard to argue with the results. But eye test and pulling your hair out during the game test yeah, it fails. And I know it, it might be the, the design of the defense and all those types of things, but damn, Quell, I, 
I can't take it on my heart all season, dude. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm dying here. You know, I'm, I'm watching AJ Dillon and, and he's able to run. And then I'm watching AJ Dillon and I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ, what's going to happen against Derrick Henry? Right. So Bro, you know, these side are, these note, are side note. So I know not to cut you off, but AJ Dillon is built like a freaking Greek god, bro. He is so <laughs> like, bro, you see his thighs. Like, I mean, they, they make all the memes his about him. Muscle, his leg what? looks like a, you know, the little machine, the little ray guns when they shoot you and you get twice your size. It looks <laughs> like somebody shot a chicken, like a chicken leg with one of them, and it became like huge. Jeez, bro, he's built like a Mack truck. Yeah. I'm like watching like there was there was one tackle was it was it Kaiser who who got him like right at the line of scrimmage and it was like the first maybe it was TJ but it was the first time someone hit him and I was like oh wow they brought him down on the first hit like yeah, I think it was TJ that, that, that's the kind of game he was having you know he was able to to get his feet underneath him and, and get moving and and that's what worried me about him and that's what worries me about playing backs like Derrick Henry where they're able to you know get their feet underneath them and that becomes an issue for you and uh and so that's why if i'm giving him a grade i'll probably say b minus to a b i won't be as harsh well we'll touch on aj Dillon and derrick henry and how much they stressed us and we'll stress us out this week in a few but i can't lie to you guys Gannon, in my book i probably had to give him a b plus it would probably be an a if he didn't look like an idiot during the washington game the Washington game is the only game this year that is keeping him from being an A in my book. Because that game was just so – you got to adjust. Like, they showed they showed you their hand, and they kept showing you their hand. They had mm-hmm. no will to pass the ball. They told – I think they ran the ball, what, 49 times? Same thing we ran the ball this week against Green Bay, 49 times. But they they showed you that, hey, we're, we're going to run this ball. And, I mean, unless it's third and six or so, we're not going to throw it. So what you're going to do, and Gannon continue, continue to stay in his too high. And I get it. You respect their wide receivers. You understand when you watch tape that Taylor Heineke was willing to air the ball out, specifically to Terry McLaurin. He had a big day already. But you got to understand what's happening. You got to be able to adjust mid-game. And, again, that was probably the only game this season where I sat here and said, Gannon, that, that was bad, start to finish bad. Now, like that's like we all said, we we talked about this before we went on the air. And I mean, my whole thing is Philadelphia. I know it's not pretty, but I'm sorry. This is what a bend but don't break defense looks like, and that's exactly what this is. And he he gives up yards. He might give up a few possessions every now and then, but I can't really think of a game where Jonathan Gannon has legitimately had a lead and blew the game. He knows how to keep a game in front of him. He it may not, like, like I said, it may not look the prettiest, but again, bend but don't break. And we we talked all last season like about we can't wait till we he's sitting here playing with Jim Schwartz personnel. We can't wait for him to get his guys. And if you just took the, the stats that that Pierre laid out a second ago and even compared them to what they looked like last year, I mean, the only thing that might look the same is the pass defense, and it certainly wasn't number two in the league. I mean, I think they were number one in big plays allowed because they didn't really give those up based on the two high safeties. But pass defense got even better than what it was last year. Run defense, yeah, sure, it's middle of the pack, but is that better than being ranked, what, 28th in the league? Okay, that's showing that it's making progress. Like, it's not going to ever be a perfect – I don't think there's a such thing as a perfect 
defensive scheme. You're going to get beat. And when you watch Jonathan Gannon's scheme, like I say all the time, it's very reminiscent of watching the Brandon Staley scheme. And he even he catching hell right now. People love to say Chargers defense is supposed to be so good because they added all this talent along the edge. But they didn't have anything in the middle of their defense. And clearly, in order for this defense to operate properly, that's why I said a long time ago, if Marlon – I don't even gonna try to say his last name. I'm not go to. Yeah, if Marlon and Marvin didn't get it right in the middle, we weren't gonna be undefeated by the time Jordan Davis came back because that that was just too big. Like that part of the defense is too important. It's why teams keep trying to run the ball on us because, quite frankly, like I said a second ago, where you, you watch the Eagles' offense execute and you sit here and you ask yourself, how do you beat this team? Washington laid out the blueprint, and it's not like they did anything spectacular. The only it's, it's the same thing that has been throughout modern history. You watch the Chiefs, you watch the Bills, some of these teams that you call spectacular offenses. How do you beat them? You keep their offense off the field. You can't score points. Well, at least you're not supposed to score points if your offense not on the field. So um, you run the ball, which makes a game like Tennessee so concerning. But So I, I, I agree with you, but – what sticks out to me is that we're talking about Staley and we're talking about Gannon and all I'm kind of, you know, hearing and yeah, I'm simplifying, but it's that if they don't have their personnel, if they don't have like the perfect personnel, the defense doesn't work. And I mean, yeah, that kinda, but that, that makes me question like, who, 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 who's but, but like dude, as a, as a defensive coordinator, shouldn't you be scheming around your players? That was our complaint all of last year. It was just, Oh, we have to wait for Gannon to get players. Well, I mean, that's an entire season. Right. And now we lost a player and the defense is a massive hole. So, I have to ask, like, how, you know, how great of a defensive scheme is this that if we lose a player, it's just it's it's a huge shot in the foot. Right. Like, I mean, we should be able to, you know, rebound from these types of things and 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 um, and be able to rebound from these types of uh, re- injuries. But it feels like we have one injury and it throws a total wrench into into his plans for uh, everything. I mean, I get what you're saying, Parf, and I understand why you will go down that path. At the same time, you you having a conversation of that million year civil war that I always talk about the league being in the midst of. Like you can make this argument about Jonathan Gannon and Brandon Staley missing a Aaron Donald or Jordan Davis in this instant, and your defense goes to complete shit. Sorry for my language, but I can almost guarantee that if you watched or when you watched, that was the reason that a team like Seattle made a trade for Quandre Diggs. Because you watch a team who runs a cover three scheme and you remove Earl Thomas, arguably the greatest sideline to sideline free safety ever, and you just put anybody back there, it's not going to work. Because sometimes in these schemes, you need specific players that can do specific things. And that's okay. That don't mean any less of your scheme. It just means players mean things. So who was that in Jim Schwartz's defense? Because, I mean, I, we, I saw us whether – multiple injuries and it didn't seem like the defense changed that much i know malcolm jenkins was crucial to the defense right and and sure he he didn't he didn't miss many games but even in the in the times that you know he did miss time it wasn't like the whole defense changed you know we were still able to attack you know i that's why these bend don't break defenses it feels like it relies on players a lot more i feel like when you're attacking and maybe i'm saying this as a as a, as a philadelphia football fan who has just watched aggressive defensive coordinators and and appreciates that type of defense but I feel like when you have an aggressive defense, you're able to get at the quarterback more. You know, you're able to just kind of create pressure and create them to and force them to make these errors. Here in this defense, I think the crucial difference is that you're waiting for them to make errors. And if you're waiting for them to make errors, then you have less of like 
uh, you have less room to mess up. You have to have like these, you have to have these star players, but it feels like if you have someone who where you're being more aggressive, you're able to make up for not having as much star power and, and, and you're able to, you know, make plays off of making them make mistakes. I mean, I understand what you're saying. In in the instance, it's kind of basically asking, what would you rather have? Jim Johnson, God rest his soul, or Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick isn't going to send a whole lot of pressure, and that's okay because another one of them guys that calls plays from back to front, he going to confuse you. He going to do exactly like I said before we went on the air. There are some defensive coordinators where they're not necessarily worried about the amount of pressure. I mean, you can't hold on to the ball for six seconds because then that's a problem. But all they want is to confuse the quarterback, to knock off your time in a little bit. For this guy to be here, right, was supposed to be here right then, and he's not. So now the quarterback patting the ball for a half a second longer, and now it's a sack. They throwing off all your timing. Versus in some of these schemes, the schemes at least that you're talking about, they don't have the talent in the secondary to throw off talent. So they're going to throw off your timing by putting pressure on you. So, I mean, like I said, it's it all very schematic by schematic things. It, every defense, every offense has its flaw. You're not going to like everything that we watch on any front. But, I mean, I just don't think that he deserves any – well, I ain't going to say any, but much of the, the hate that he's warranted this year. Yeah, and I think – I don't know, just to put a bow on it, um, I tweeted this out. I don't remember if it was yesterday or the day before yesterday. But I think, like, the defense is just an, an interesting case because, you know, like you guys touched on all last season, the only thing everybody highlighted was the fact that, you know, Gannon didn't have the right personnel or – you know, he was running his defense with Jim Schwartz, his pieces. And, you know, this year, you know, adding Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, adding to Jordan Davis, adding to Kaiser White, you know, these are all theoretically at the time, you know, everybody thought, you know, these are pieces that are going to, you know, raise the ceiling for this defense. And it has, you know, judging by the statistics that I read off when we, you know, first started this segment. But it's just, you know, there are still the little things that you can look and see and say, hey, you know, like, this is an issue. You know, this needs to get cleaned up. And, you know, like you said, Quell, you know, there's – no perfect defense. There is no, you know, 100% effective in stopping every offensive scheme or every offensive player. There is, that defense doesn't exist. But, you know, like I said, you know, there still are things that, you know, I think he can do a better job of, of, you know, being more, um, just being more consistent and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Certainly. So we, it takes us from one side of the ball to the other. Parfait, who actually been on a pretty good roll today, actually, because we said something else earlier that just seems quite catching everybody's attention. But you said this offense is consistent. This offense, I mean, we know that it's going to work rain, sleet, or snow. What Jalen Hurts say? Hold on, wait. What did what did Jalen Hurts say? Rain, sleet, or snow? The Eagles train to go? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) So we know. Well, at least we have our opinion on what we think the offense is like. But we, we also understand the entire misconception uh, upon offenses based around scrambling quarterbacks and all things of that nature. So, I mean, I guess you've answered the question, can this offense be relied upon? Can it be consistent? What makes this offense much more different than the rest, than a Lamar Jackson, than – uh, a Josh Allen like offense, Daniel Jones or something of that nature. I don't know. I think I think just looking at Jalen, just the type of runner he is, he's kind of like the hybrid between all the guys you just mentioned. Like he isn't as shifty as a Lamar, 
but he isn't as big and burly as a Josh Allen. You feel me? So it's, it's, it's I think that that's the that's the thing that that sort of kind of separates it. And then also Jalen, he knows how to get down and not take you know a you lot of punishment. Daniel Jones. <laughs> if you're if you're if you're a if you're an avid listener of the pod, you know my opinion on Daniel Jones. But yeah, man, I just think like you know just the type of quarterback Jalen is like. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just the type of quarterback he is. Like I said, you know, he's the hybrid between a Lamar and a Josh Allen. I think that's that's the thing that separates him. But what happens if a team puts a game on his shoulders? What have you seen from Jalen Hurts this season that makes you say, if the Eagles got down 14-0 early and had to become a, a drop-back pass offense, that they would be successful? What I would say is – and this is not to take anything away from Jalen because I think Jalen has been spectacular this year. He's been an MVP candidate, but I think the difference comes down. And not, I think, I think all those quarterbacks are comparable. You know, they're all special in their own different ways, you know, and, and, and like Pierre said, I think the way that Jalen is special and, and right now I'm talking about them as runners is that, you know, he, he's a good mix of them, right? He has, he's bigger than Lamar, but you know, he's faster than Josh Allen and shiftier than Josh Allen. Right. So, you know, he has that balance, but the way that this team is built, you know, through the trenches and with the talent that we have everywhere and just the way that the offense is clicking throughout, I think that's what, um, that, that, I think that's what makes it different, right? Like the, the Ravens have been clicking and the, and, and the, uh, the bills have been clicking, but there've been games where they just kind of, they kind of seem off, right? There's, there's just, there's, there's moments where they just kind of seem off with this team the one thing that I've appreciated is that even when they seem off, there's still a baseline level of really high competence, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe it's the backup of being able to run the ball. None of those teams have the, the, you know, the, the Ravens have, you know, a a good O-line, but they don't have the running backs we have. And, and the, the bills have a good O-line, but they don't, they don't have, you know, the consistent running game that we have. And, and we have such That's a good balance. Choice. Huh? That's about choice. What do you mean? I think Devin Singletary is really good. He just – they want to throw the ball 70 times. Yeah, well, okay. So, you know, okay, yeah. Devin Singletary can be good, but we don't see him enough for him to be considered a, a top-tier back. And I'm saying, right, if you asked, if you asked most people, right, if, if they wanted Miles Sanders or Devin, Devin Singletary right off the bat, I feel like right now most people would say Miles Sanders, the way he's running the rock. You know, so so that that's that's what I mean by that. And I think the way that, you know, this this whole offense is, you know, built and 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 the way that they work off of each other, I think that's what truly um, makes this offense special and, and different than the other ones. OK, and and um, just as a response to to your proposition, Quo, you asked, what have I seen from Jalen Hurts to show me that when they go down 14 to zero? Um, that you can put a game on his shoulders or he can be trusted to sort of, you know, get them back in the game. So I ask you, did you watch the Eagles game against the Jaguars? Mm-hmm. Remember that game, right? Real they ugly. were down 14. Yeah, very, 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 very ugly game. They were down 14-0. Um, you know, the offense was struggling. You know, they their first two drives, it was a pick six, or first three drives, it was a pick six, um, a punt, and then a turnover on uh, – Turnover on downs, right? Um, the next three drives resulted in touchdowns, right? 
And so I think when you look at the the entire picture of the offense, Jalen included, because I don't think you can look at the run game um, without including Jalen in it. Um, I think, you know, that entire picture, you know, I think that shows um, the ceiling for them. I think that shows, you know, why you can put a, a game on his shoulders because, you know, he's a plus one in the run and the pass game. Like, you know, I think he said it after the Pittsburgh game, you know, he's not just a dual threat. It's, it's a triple threat. Like, just because of what he offers you in all facets of the offense, I think that's why, you know, at least to me, that's why I think I can trust him to, you know, get them back in the game if he's need, if it's needed. So just let the record show, let the record state. I agree with everything you guys are saying. I just have to ask these questions because, I mean, these this is what the people want to know. It's what Benjamin Solak is asking. I mean, <laughs> my opinion on it is I think Jalen Hurts has become a very good quarterback. The Eagles have become a team that has proven they can win games in a multitude of different ways. That said, I, I can understand some people's quote-unquote concern because, and I mean, it makes you happy that you watch a game like last week and you see the Eagles storm and score 40 points and be able to win a, a, a shootout. Because there are certain teams, certain games, like if you make it to the Super Bowl against a Chiefs or a Bills team who we know can put up points at will, can we rely on you to win a shootout? And I mean, where the conversation becomes so blended is because, like you said, Pierre, Jalen is a a, a two-part process. Like I saw some people saying that they think that the Eagles essentially took the ball out of Jalen's hands to win the Colts game. I wouldn't necessarily say they took the ball out of his hands because on fourth and two, who had the ball? When they ran a touchdown, who had the ball? And the same breath of saying that, they clearly didn't want to throw the ball, whether that was by design or whether that was because they didn't trust Jalen, the world may never know. But they clearly made their choice. So I guess when you when it comes down to the game, what the world wants to know, obviously, it seems like. Because it seems like Jalen Hurts has done everything possible to try to rest all demons, yet everybody just has concerns somewhere so it seems like the one concern the world has is why should i believe jalen hurts can win a shootout i know he can use his legs i know the eagles as a team can win football games and he is going to be largely responsible for that based on how they utilize him but when i know that we got a score like you watch that bills and the chiefs game last year in the playoffs with they got the ball back with 30 seconds left and they score and they got the ball back with 16 seconds left and they score why should I believe I could put the game in my quarterback's hands like that? Because that's essentially what everybody is trying to find nowadays. And not to say that Jalen isn't a franchise quarterback or can't be. I, again, believe he can be. I believe he is. But these are the, the questions that people mm -hmm. want to know. And they, until we get that point, people will still ask these questions. I think it comes down a lot to prior bias. I think that's a huge, huge aspect of it. People – read or thought oh he's he's a running quarterback and he can kind of throw the ball and that has colored their uh th their image of him and and how they view him since then you know and and and, and bias is is a hell of a thing man like you can you can just think one thing right away and then it can be on your mind every time you look at the picture so i think that's one aspect of it and the second aspect of it is just like you know people i, I don't want to just keep making it seem like people are just hating but, I mean, just just watch the game. I mean, Jalen is a totally different guy than last year. Like, I could point you to this Packers game, right? The the, the drive right before halftime to go up on top right um, before halftime. Two minutes. Two minutes. And all we did was air that rock. Aired it out. 
right? And he was able to do it. He had composure, made it down the field, took care of the time. You know, it was a well-oiled machine all the way down the field. Now, if they had gotten down there and they had ran the ball in, would that have been stupid? Or would that have been like Jalen not being able to pass the ball? Because I'm sure some people would have gone on to that. If, if, if Jalen did the stupid, you know, pitch pass that Andy loves to do with, uh, with, with Travis and, and, and Patrick, that's a pass touchdown. But, but, but and people are like, oh, yeah, look at Patrick Mahomes' touch, uh, passing numbers. Well, that's, that's some of the passing touchdowns he has. So there's different ways that you can score there. But the way the, – my issue with that is just people judge the way that you score the touchdown. He can get you down the field however you want. If you watch the game, he can get you down the field. But if you're at the one-yard line and you have Jalen Hurts, why the hell would I pass the ball? This guy, this kid squats 600 pounds, dude. Like, I'm running the rock. Like, to, to me, it's just it's it's just basic knowledge. If you have a super – they talk about quarterbacks having a superpower, right? You, want, you need to have a superpower as a quarterback. Jalen's superpower is running the ball. So why would we not lean on that when we can? And he's shown that if he needs to pass the ball, he can. But for people to just keep taking away from drives like the Colts drive because they ran the ball, it just doesn't make sense to me. Because, like you said, well, they did not take the ball out of his hand because he ran the ball. Okay, Nick also has some stupid play call sometimes, dude. I don't know why he handed hey, the ball hey, off to, to, to Boston Scott up the middle. Shame. Don't blame Nick. Oh, it, it, you're right. It is shame. It is shame. No, yeah, Nick is blameless. I love Nick. You know, you, we got love. You know, he's a wide receiver. Got a connection, but <laughs> D3, <baby. laughs> but so, but, <laughs> but basically, you know, the, the point is, is there's some stupid play call sometimes. Why is that being blamed on Jalen? You know, if, if Andy gets too cute with passing plays, no one's blaming that on Patrick Mahomes because he wants to pass the ball too much or when the bills do it and they don't run with Devin Singletary, like you're talking about. No one talks about that. It's, it's just like, Hey, oh, it, it, it fits their narrative, and, and, and that's what's frustrating about it. Josh Allen had to fight this for years. I mean, even the year where he was breaking out, people were like, oh, this is a, this is a flash in the sand. Like, you know, Josh Allen's not going to be consistently good. It took Josh Allen having to be good for two, three years. And what's really annoying to me about this whole conversation is Jalen is being compared to Josh and Patrick because that's the level of play he's at. They both have three years on him. They're both 26. You know, two years on him, and that's two years in the league, you know, and, and, and that's that's a huge difference. The amount of things that you just get used to, the amount of things that Patrick now sees, you know, he can he just kind of understands these things. And Jalen is just as smart, you know, and, and he's just as hard a worker. So, you know, give him two years and, and, and then we can have this conversation of whether or not he can do it. But to compare him to, you know, these these, you know, older quarterbacks and be like, oh, he's not doing as well when he is. But just picking and choosing aspects of it, it just. It seems so unfair to me, and I think, I'm just getting in Twitter fights for for no reason now. I think it represents just a, a, a more grandiose picture of the entire NFL. Like the NFL is changing, you know. The days of the your classic Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Brett Favre s quarterbacks, classic dropback guys, you know, those are being phased out. If you look around the league, pretty the much every quarterback, with yeah, but pretty much every quarterback, if need be. Can can how did Jalen Frazier can can get freaky if they need to? You feel me? So it's 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 just it's just about you know realizing that times are changing and you know just being being able to accept that. It's bigger than that. I, I honestly thank you for saying that because it's just big leeway. That's what I was gonna say. And to put a put a bow on all of this, I think like you said, the way the league is heading. I you guys know my my big quote, and I stick as a draft scout. I live and die by this. 
A quarterback will never be successful until he has organizational commitment from top to bottom, from owner all the way down to the locker room. And when you look at guys like Pat, you look at guys like Josh, the one thing that sticks out to me like a sore thumb is you you look at the offense that Andy Reid was calling before Josh, I mean, before Pat got in the game, a bunch of West Coast concept systems. He altered, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't want to act like he did things he didn't know. I mean, Andy Reid is he was on that team where the, the spray offense was being originated with how mummy and them guys down there at BYU. So he know a little thing or two about the spread offense. So he he sat here and looked at his quarterback. And, I mean, if you watched the New Heights podcast today, you you would know that Pat was in the room with them for five hours just having Andy pick his brain. Shout out Matt Nagy for getting him in that building. Wild, but, bro. Wild. <laughs> just you see how – it was clear to Andy after Pat left that building when you throw into the tape and you see how your quarterback plays and then you see – what you think his knowledge is or how he can execute on the field, you have to be you have to do a good job of building all an entire offense around this player. You can't just grab a player and say, Hey, this is what I like to do. Now you do this. Look at him, the next great doing what I like to do. You got to build an offense around these guys. Andy Reid built an offense around Patrick Mahomes. The Bills build an offense around Josh Allen using all of his runnings and his skill set, as well as eliminating essentially eliminating every pass from the middle of the field until they felt he was comfortable enough to make those passes. Like, so to watch what the Eagles are doing with Jalen and people to try to spite him saying without the RPOs and the running, he would be nothing and things of that nature. Like, it's a team, it's it's great coaching, y'all. Y'all can't be mad at great coaching. They built an offense around him that's been successful, that's helping him continue to grow as a player. But like Dallas did the exact same thing with Dak in his younger years. Like it it's all a part of it's essentially it, it's like you said, it's essentially just putting your players in positions to succeed. That's exactly. that's all it goes back to. Dude, winning football games is the most important thing. Exactly. You want to get down the field, and what I don't understand. Is I watch Chiefs games and you know they have this they have a two minute drill or thirty second drill because it's freaking Patrick Mahomes right, but he's doing his stupid little waddle run down the field and everyone's loving it. Oh look at how mobile he is! Look what he's able to do with his <laughs> legs and his arm. Jalen does it and he looks way better doing it. And they're like, oh, he's a running back. Like I'm sorry, oh, is oh, Jalen oh. just is he supposed to run stupid like? Is he is he supposed to, <laughs> hey, is he supposed to hey, run like a frog? Hey. Listen, I got love for Patrick, but he's he's not running the rock like like Jalen Hurts. All right, like Jalen is smooth, bro. He's got that he's got that one move, and it gets dudes every time. Just like the the bro, he did that jump three times on one play. I'm saying, bro, and it works. Cut back, cut back, cut back. (laughs) Somebody put a video over. He was like, it's two people walking up there. It's just three. (laughs) And he really was on beach and juking all of them. I'm like, this is crazy. But it's you know, crazy. It's, just, move. it's just the double standard that that really makes me mad. I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> well, guys, oh, we God. have a game coming up on Sunday. Believe it or not, against the Tennessee Titans. Oof. How are we feeling? What's 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 the what's the thought process, man? I mean, we had all this talking about <laughs> Derrick Henry and how we gonna tackle Derrick Henry when <laughs> AJ Dillon. Hey, who knows how many carries while running the ball for 64 yards and a touchdown, averaging eight yards a carry. Oh, my God. This is partly because Jordan Davis is returning or hope 
we he's he hopes to be back on Sunday. But back. the way I, I phrase it the way I phrase it in my head throughout this week is the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Like this Tennessee team, this defense, they are a very physical, ferocious bunch led by uh, Jonathan Simmons up front. This is just going to be, it's going to be a tall task. Mm -hmm. O-line's going to have their hands full. That's for sure. Um, This, this defense and just this team in general, they're, they're a variable coach team. You know, there's a lot of, I was just gonna say that it's like they've taken on the identity of Averill. Like, oh yeah, very, and, that, very and that, that's what good teams do. They take on the identity of their coach, and I feel like the, the Eagles have done the same thing. So it's gonna be these are two coaches who are really passionate about not only what they do but who they do it for. Like these are these are players' coaches, and and, and that's why their teams always play hard for them. You know, we've only seen two years of Sirianni, but there's never been any reason to doubt that his team that is that his players aren't playing hard for him. Um, you know, there's a bunch of jokes online that you know. It's just a team of just like nobodies, but they're just winning games fully off just being dogs. Like that's just that's just what they are, and that's the way they play the game. And so you have to respect it. Every every game that Tennessee has been in has been a dog fight, and so that's what as the Eagles have to be have to be prepared for. Um, I've seen a joke. It said the Titans literally play up to their level of their opponent every game. If they playing against the Falcons, the score gonna be three to ten. If they playing against the Bills, the score gonna be thirty three to thirty seven. But either way, they are gonna play up. For real, man. That, that's, that's it's the way they do it, and so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a physical game, you know. Um, but it's also obviously gonna be um, and, and well, besides you know the Derrick Henry aspect, and you know we talked about some of that with with running the ball. But this is gonna be an emotional game, you know. It's 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 a big game for for for. Swole Batman, big person that can eat to hold on to the football better. And listen, did you did you see him after the game last week? Yeah, no, I try. I told him I, I don't know if y'all guys seen me on Twitter, but I apologized afterwards. Yeah, but, I felt bad too. I was like, yeah, I was like, hey, like, hey, hold on to the damn ball, and then I saw his eye, and I was like, oh, he's like three games in a row. <laughs> yeah, they said they said he. He busted a, a, a blood yeah, vessel in his eye. He busted a blood vessel in his eye, bro. You know how hard even, you got to be puking to I, do that? He I didn't even seven, know that was. He lost seven pounds, bro. I didn't even know that was possible. Bro. Me neither, bro. Yeah, I no, threw up yeah. a couple days after that, and I'm like, so he yeah. So basically, he said, ass, "Like, am I gonna be okay?" I know, man. But yeah, so basically, he said that uh, you know he he meant to focus on ball security last week, but he just didn't practice because he was sick. And so that, that was going to be a focus this week, but you know, with the way that AJ Brown plays the game, I think, uh, I I think AJ could be a, could be a focal point of this offense, especially, especially with the way that, uh, that, that Tennessee is able to play the run. I feel like we could see a lot more of, uh, of the passing game this week as well. Yeah. And, and for what it's worth, you know, I was doing some research into the Titans uh, before uh, the pod and, you know, they're ranked 29th against the pass, you know, they're susceptible to the pass. I think T Higgins were against the Bengals last Sunday, you know, Jamar Chase didn't play. Um, and I think T Higgins, he had like seven or eight catches for a buck 64, right? And a back shoulder catch that was Yeah. Good. That's the cornerback couldn't do anything about that. Yeah. So I think it's, it's Fulton and Roger McCreary. Yeah. And, McCreary specifically, um, I think that you know, Boy, all throughout. I'm glad, you brought up Roger, I'm glad you brought up Roger McCray, and I'm glad we was just talking about that T Higgins touchdown. I seen that play take place, it happened on Roger McCray, and all I could think about was me talking all draft season, like, 
I love Roger McCreary, but his arms yeah. like yep. Like you know, short, that, that's, it. that's exactly what I was up against that's... a tall guy, and we see nothing. So you know, Tennessee, they're they're susceptible to the pass. And I mean, so the funny thing about this is, I mean, while a lot of people will be concerned about the Titans, at least the Eagles' ability or inability to run the ball against the Titans, I know the Titans only allowed three point eight yards per game to I mean yards per carry to running backs on the season. And it almost ain't no better to quarterbacks. It's just that 4.0. But I do think that the Titans, because they've had games against Daniel Jones, they had games against Josh Allen while they've played mobile quarterbacks. They haven't quite played an offense that's built around the mobile quarterback. So I want to go back and see if I can try to find some tape against them with them versus Lamar to see how they play Lamar. Because that might be something similar to what we see. But I don't know if it's something that we can get. That's something to pay attention to because, I mean, while as separate entities, they've done a great job stopping quarterbacks and a great job stopping running backs. But how should they fare against a, a, based a specific game plan based around both? And I, and I think that's where, you know, that's, that's why it's awesome to have a quarterback like Jalen, you know, someone who can do a little bit of both. Um, and and um, I think uh, – they might be just running some zones so that they can keep an eye on things in front of them. We've seen Jalen excel um, passing against zone defenses. You know, they, they, Tennessee likes to disguise a lot of things. Um, you know, they, they, they definitely enjoy that. But uh, I have faith in, in Jalen's growth as a passer. You know, we talked about it at nauseum this podcast. But, um, you know, I think what he's shown this year um, in, in the growth and maturity of how he goes through his, goes through his progressions – and I actually forgot to mention this. This is something I wanted to mention earlier when we were talking about, um, you know, the, the way that Jalen plays the game now. It's just like there was that play yesterday where – or I'm sorry, on, on Sunday where he almost threw the, uh, threw the touchdown to Quez, right? He's rolling out to his right, right? And he's running to his left. And last year, you know, against the Bucks, there was a similar play where he was running out to his left and he just didn't get enough juice on it, right? And he got picked off and – we were talking about baby arm Jalen and everyone was posting those stupid memes with like the, the, the tiny arm, you know, I didn't forget those. That's where, that's why people are so salty, man. But you know, that, 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 that's what was going on. But now, you know, it, it's like, he's a totally different player. He rolls out to the right, goes back to the left and throws it. And he, it was on the money. Like Quez almost caught it, man. Like he had his hands on it. Like what a pass dude. And so, the, the things that he's able to do with the ball and, and as a passer as well, you know, his, his running game now is not just run the ball or, you know, look for a, a pass for a second and then just bail. Jalen's looking for a pass for a while now, if he really wants to, and then he can bail. And so, you know, that growth is, is really exciting to see. So I think, uh, I think we have a hell of a matchup coming up, but uh, should we move into the uh, five minute warning now? The, the, the new segment name? The new closing segment, yeah, yeah, sir. Oh, and and that last segment is the one we're looking for a name for. So it's just like sort of the... kind of it's it's sort of kind of the, these entire segments. It's sort of kind of an effort to get more organized with everything because we could talk. I when y'all say <laughs> five minute drill, all I pictured was Russell Wilson on the field by himself. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Drill, dude, that, the pros. That was his birthday party. That was his birthday party. <laughs> Hey, look, half the team came. But what hey, we're saying that, is that tells you a lot about how you approach situations. Off day, 
you got something good going. How's your luck? Because I read that and I was like, oh, half the team didn't show up. They hate him. And then I read the comments like, oh, well, half the team showed up. And I was like, oh, yeah. That is a, that is that is a different way to look at say, it. That was off day, boy. If you showed up on your off day, you must care. <laughs> oh man, that was funny though. But Russell Wilson is a fiasco, and no, I, was well, that's, what, what, I didn't want any piece of that. All right, I was done with the nonsense quarterbacks. Okay, we had enough with Carson. Anyways, well, last, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> one last thing on one last thing on Russell Wilson, bro. Besides the whole Buckles country, let's ride thing. The funniest, the funniest thing is when <laughs> when it's pregame and he's walking around on the other team's logo with his hands stretched out. Yo, yo, Brian Burns, you saw that, right? I'm like, that's why Russ. Did y'all see Brian Burns did the dance after he sacked him? Bro, that had he walked team. around. He did the. <laughs> oh he's dying, bro. The the players are clowning him now too. Bro. It's crazy. <laughs> it, it, I've, I've I've really never seen something like this. It's He's become a meme with players. It's crazy. Like it, it's it's really crazy. But it all right, nation, let's ride. Let's ride. <laughs> let's ride. Five minute warning. Let's ride. let's ride. So basically, in the in the five minute warning, what we're gonna try to do is is give y'all some some uh, bold predictions and and game picks. So um, should we should we go with our picks first and then hit the bold prediction? Or should we go bold prediction and then and then game picks? I'd say bold prediction in game picks. All right. Can I go with my bold prediction? I I thought about it when I was taking a shower. I was like, oh, I got it. I got it. I'm in the shower thinking about this one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, if my, yeah, the my calculations thing. are correct, I, I spoke a little bit about um, about how our man AJ is is is, is an emotional player, right? And and he loves to to step into the spotlight and, and, and into the moment. There was a uh, there was a, there was a nice uh, you know little soliloquy about um, about AJ in his first game, right? And and so he he shows up uh, to the to the to the Browns uh, to the Brown Stadium, right? And uh, this is 2019, so it's it's Jarvis and, and OBJ. They're coming. They're they're teaming up and. Everyone is super excited, and and so the crowd is going crazy for them. And AJ told himself, "Nah, they're cheering for me." He goes off, and he had the most he had the most receiving yards in that game. So since that moment, he's always he's always loved the spotlight. So oh, you know, what I'm saying he loves it, right? So this is a big game, right? Homecoming, the team that not homecoming, but the team that traded him, all that kind of stuff. AJ Brown money. is only a hundred, huh? Exactly. So, yeah, he wouldn't they, give him his they, money. Yeah. He, want, he said he wanted to retire a Titan, and they wouldn't pay him the money to do so. Mm-hmm. He's 169 yards away from breaking a thousand. Mm-hmm. My prediction is that he breaks a thousand against the Titans. AJ Brown over 169 yards. Par pool prediction. Lock it Parts parlays. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, might, I might have to bet for once and actually put money on this because I was thinking about it and I was like, man. It's, this is AJ Brown, bro. Like, if he, if he wants to, he can do it. He had a, he had like 140 yards against the Steelers, and then he had that he had that drop, right? So, I mean, he's he, fully capable. And we just talked about how T. Higgins had 160 something yards. AJ Brown, first thousand yard receiver since Jeremy Macklin, not wide receiver, because we had uh, we had Ertz in, in 18, but first one since Macklin to be a wide receiver. We're, we're gonna get it. We coming down this way. We let me ride y'all down. Uh, what's that? I ninety five. 
down to Washington, D.C. Where, ladies and gentlemen, Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, them boys got that dog in them. They will not play today. We want you to understand that the Tennessee Titans are going to school on Sunday. What school, you might ask? Welcome to Jeff Stoutland University. <laughs> Everybody is talking about the Titans' defense against the run this and the run that. Did you not just see this Eagles offensive unit put up 350, 363 rushing yards? They return a favor this week against the Titans by producing another 210 on the ground against the vaunted Titans defense. Lock it in. Love it. All right. So we're going my way now, right? Mm-hmm. So down to Savannah, down to Savannah, Savannah, Georgia. You feel me? The nine one two Seaport, baby. But <laughs> <laughs> all throughout this pod, you know, we've talked about Jonathan Gannon. You know, we've talked about how much they've struggled against the run. We've talked about, you know, um, how how sort of kind of stagnant he's been up front, right? This week, Philadelphia Eagles they get back their three hundred and forty, probably now three hundred twenty pound uh, defensive tackle out of Georgia, Jordan Davis. They're adding him to a, a defensive line rotation that includes Fletcher Cox, Linval Joseph, Ndamukong Sue, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn. Yeah. yeah. So my bold prediction, Philadelphia Eagles hold Derrick Henry under 80 rushing yards. Ooh. Lock it in. Derrick Henry has, held, has been held to 3.3 <laughs> yards per carry over his last three games. Go Birds. But just to close out here, um, let's get into our, our game picks. Um, I'll go first here. I got the Eagles 27 to 16. I got the birds. It's going to be a close one, like I said earlier, man. Titans, like you guys said, they take on the – they embody their head coach, Mike Rabel, another person with that dog. You know, the Eagles got that dog, but Mike Rabel got that dog. And, I mean, I can see it as birds 21, Titans 17, last second win. I think uh, I think I see a little bit more scoring uh, being done. I see twenty-eight to twenty Eagles. All right, and I think um, I think that's gonna do it for this episode. Uh, just before we get out of here, um, be sure to leave us a like and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast streaming platform. Um, give us a follow on Twitter at the Philly Blitz underscore. No, be sure to check out, you know, all the content that we have coming down the pipeline for you over on thephillyblitz.com. You know, uh, we're really looking forward to, you know, um, getting back into the swing of things, getting back into the groove of things. Um, I'm getting ready to graduate, so I'm going to have a ton more time on my hands. Um, <laughs> appreciate y'all, appreciate y'all. But yeah, man, we're just, we're excited to, you know, get more consistent with this thing and, you know, really try to, you know, push things forward. Everyone, share the pod, man. Share it. Share the like, love. Like, comment, subscribe. Share. Right, from everyone you know at home. But, I mean, when you really think about it, it's kind of selfish to keep content like this to yourself. So, you know, in, in, in the spirit of giving in this holiday season, be sure to put your family on, put your friends on with the Philly Blitz. <laughs>